listening to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss our RC adventures. Welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of the new RC Flyer. Join your hosts, Michael and Jay, as they take flight at the park. Now on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Park Flyer Podcast. I'm Michael, and with me always are my co-hosts. Jay from the hills of Texas. And Mike from Alaska. Mike from Alaska, Jay from the hills of Texas. What's going on, guys? I don't know. I don't have I don't have it. I just, you know, I've been thinking about this stuff, and I just don't got anything. I'm looking for the <laughs> listener to tell me uh-huh. what I should say. That's funny. What about, uh, how's the grass seed coming, Jay? Um, It's coming, but now I need rain. So you laid all the grass seed out and, and no rain? No, I'm still doing a little bit of research on the grass seed. I'm actually experimenting around my house, <laughs> but I need rain, and it's not raining. Well, maybe we can do a rain dance or a rain prayer or something <laughs> for you. Yeah, well, let's probably do the rain dance and it'll bring flooding, so I don't want that either. But This is true. Yeah, I, I got to get out to the field and actually do some mowing, so that's the next thing up on my list. Well, the good news is uh, you uh, got contacted from uh, an old friend, right? I did. I did. Uh, my good buddy gave me a call, so we, we were getting together. We're going to be doing a little bit of maintenance on the field and some cutting. And, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, reconnecting and getting some guys out there and flying. That's awesome. And, Mike, you were able to go down to uh, Texas just recently as well, right? Yeah, I went uh, for a little trip, got together with Jay. We had a great time. Okay, so you got to go out and see the field as well? I did. We went flying on Easter. Yeah. The reason we had the name, if you remember, was because there was an incident that happened to your plane. Your plane came back. It was resurrected. That's true. It did. <laughs> well, that's good news. We're uh, we're probably going to talk about that later in the podcast. For the moment, I think we're going to go to the mailbag. We have a mailbag? Well, we do. You know, we do have listeners, believe it or not. Is it more like a baggie? Uh <laughs> <laughs> it's it's more like it's more electronic, believe it or not. I don't have like a big bag that I I dig oh, down into. Oh, okay. Well, that's fantastic. So somebody wrote us. Uh, they did. Yes, we do have listeners, and believe it or not, occasionally they reach out to us and say, "Woohoo, <laughs> we're going big time." <laughs> they say, "Hey, wait, we got we got to come up with the um the letter opening sound and like when you know Dave Letterman blows in the or was it was it Letterman that blows in the letter." To open it up and oh, yeah. read this. Was stuff it Letterman? It. I thought it was. Um, I thought it was Jay or uh, not Jay Leno, but the guy before him, Johnny Carson. Who was that? Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson? I thought Johnny Carson it was Carnac yeah, or Carson. something, Maybe right? It was Carson. Carnac, the yeah, Martin right. Center, That's or whatever. Right. Car- but that was that was predictive. That's stuff, right. Though. But I th- I think I'll help you out here. So here we go. We're gonna we're gonna open okay. our mail. There you go. Is that sorry? Nice. <laughs> Got the mail sound. And then we spare uh, no expense. Yeah, just, yeah. Right, here we go. There you go. Open in the mail. Unfortunately, it is still electronic, so I'm just basically clicking a button. Beep, boop, boop. (laughs) Boop, boop. (laughs) Well, uh, Bernard Adderley uh, asked uh, us a question. He uh, actually got in touch with us, and he said basically that he was wondering about using a hat cam for his flights because he recently had a crash and was interested to know your thoughts on using a hat cam. I basically told him that it was advantageous to use a hat cam uh, so that you were, you could record your flights. I sometimes use them when I'm, you know, working with someone 
new that's on the sticks so that we can see what's going on with the airplane. Uh, I use cameras in the real airplane uh, when I fly uh, aerobatics because you can see the control surfaces and you can kind of get a little instruction. Jay, you have thoughts? Okay, so I'm I'm a big proponent of always having a buddy when you go flying, but now at my new field and where I'm at, there's just me for the most part, and that kind of sucks because with the mishaps that I've had, had I had a second set of eyes, I could have either A, prevented it, B, when it did happen and parts were flying off and I'm trying to control the plane, they could have watched the parts that went flying off into the distance and help me, you know, find them and see, just like you were saying, it always helps for the uh, NTSB uh, report afterwards. <laughs> Since you can look back at the film and you can look, you can say, wow, I, you know, Ooh, that's when that thing flew off or wow, I didn't secure that, the, you know, the canopy on, or you're watching your film and you go, Oh, now I know where those, those screws are at. They're in my pocket. I, I never took them out and screwed, <laughs> screwed the, uh, you know, the wings in. on. Oh, is you that know. where my landing gear fell off yeah. right as I rotated? Just, just things like that. Well, and for me, I used the hat cam just recently because I made in my A-10. I actually did two flights with it. Was able to come back to the computer, put it on, and share them with uh, my co-host, Mike and Jay. So they yeah. both got to see the maiden of the A-10 just basically on my hat cam. So, Bernard, I would definitely, you know, use one. Mike, what are your thoughts? The reason why I don't like hat cams is because, one, I don't have one. And two, um, I, I prefer the color commentary that Jay provides when I fly or, or Mike, you know, when you provide color commentary for, I think I was sure. flying one of your, your wings um, when I visited you once. I was flying it and it was like, I was having trouble with it because it didn't fly like my wing did. Mike had it configured right. differently. And he's like, you're not flying it right. It's like, dude, I'm flying it like I fly mine. So I'm not <laughs> flying it like you fly it. That's for sure. But anyway. Right. So that's that color commentary that I really like. But um, but I think, you know, in the end, if you don't have anybody to hang out with you to do that, or in addition to having a hat cam would probably be good. Although in the case of your two flights that you videoed, I would call them, you know, was more of a dot than it was a plane. I could see the plane for like <laughs> three seconds. There it is. Oh, where'd it go? I, I know it's over there right. somewhere because his head's moving over there, but I'm not exactly sure where it is. Well, unfortunately, with the GoPro cameras, uh, I had it on a wide angle yeah. because it's a lot easier to follow an airplane in the wide angle lens than it is in the narrow. Yeah. And uh, having said all that, yeah, you're right. When the airplane got away from me or further out, you couldn't right. see anything but a dot. Right. But when I'm watching it on my computer, it looked pretty decent. Yeah. And if I watch it on the big screen out in the, in the living room, it, it's even better. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, when you get 60 inches or whatever to look at it, that's you're right. You can see it better. Yeah, that's what I call it, 60 inches. So. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, uh, since Mike brought up a good point there is that he doesn't have a, a camera, where can you get the best cameras? Because that was uh, Bernard's an, another question that he had was, where, do you have any leads on good action cameras? I personally sent him to Hobby Parts, hobbyparts.com. They have a couple of uh, GoPro-style cameras that run somewhere around 29 to 49 dollars which is pretty reasonable yeah does it come with a hat clip uh no but you can go to amazon and they have a gopro kit that you can purchase for i think about 19.99 and it has every imaginable clip 
or the chest rig or the hat, you know, what do they call that? The headband. It's got all of that in the kit itself. And it comes in a nice little carrying case that looks something like this. See? Oh. So anyway. I it, uh, our listeners can see that. <laughs> no, they can't. Oh. But I have one. That's why I know it. So anyway, Amazon.com. You can get the uh, just search for a GoPro accessories. And you, you can see they've got all kinds of, of neat things in there uh, that will be able to clip onto your hat or your use a hat cam or I mean a headband or whatever. I don't know if there's any other places to get cheap, cheaper. Everybody's carrying them. Everybody. So uh, who, who are our favorite guys? Hobby King, you know, here in the States, Hobby King has you can them. get, yep. they have several different types from the Mobius to GoPro style cameras. Um, I can't remember their names exactly, but like Mike was saying, they run, I don't know, about 40 bucks to about $80. Now, are they as good as a GoPro? No. But you know what? For what we're using them for, and if you want to throw them on your plane and they crash or you, something happens to them, they're kind of like disposable action cams. That's the way I look at it. Okay, there is one that I would like to talk about. I haven't used it, but I've seen a couple of commercials. I don't know how good it is or whether it's worth but it is a follow-me cam, I think is what it was called. It basically, yeah, you put it on a tripod. Oh, yeah. And then it sits out off to the edge of right. the field, and then you put this little puck or something inside your plane, and then it follows the plane around uh, as it, as you're flying it. I, I think that's kind of a neat idea um, to to record your plane because it's going to stay on it. And I don't know, but I don't know how good the camera is itself, and or whether or not you know how if it's a hundred yards out, is it a dot or is it an actual plane? I think on the actual device, it's on the tripod itself, if I remember how it works. It's on the, the tripod. So, on the tripod. So if you, yes. So you can get a, you get whatever camera you want. If you want to get a regular camcorder and you put it on the tripod, and it's right. the tripod that's, you know, it's tracking the puck. So whether you're using an action camera or a, a, a more conventional zoom camera, you could put it on the, on the tripod and it will track on the device. So you can get a better view and not just that fish-eyed view. That's correct. I think as well it's got a motor in there that turns that. So flying a 200-mile-an-hour wing or, or airplane I don't think would track quite as fast. Because it's actually one of those follow-me's. It's not really for RC airplanes. It's actually for you. You know, like if you were doing something out there and it would follow if you're running around or doing. Right. So I, I, the, I looked it up real quick just to see what it's called, the solo shot. That's this it. Looks to me like it is a specific camera that is part of the solo shot. Oh, is it? Okay. And it might be. But as Mike said, it's possible that the little puck that you like. I was noticing that they have a little arm band that they wear, and then the puck is probably. It looks like it's three inch by three inch or something. So it's possible that it might mm-hmm. be too heavy for some planes being there. I don't know. Just, just thinking out loud for ideas well i know that they use that for action sports type stuff so that you can kind of be out there on your own and and it'll follow you around and i know that you have a some sort of a chip in an armband that will follow i do also know that that's very very expensive compared to the you know hobby parts 29.99 you know gopro knockoff kind of thing so if you're wanting to spend the money on a gopro they run you know 399 to 400 599 dollars uh, if you want something that's inexpensive, I think you can check uh, on Amazon. There's a couple other websites that have it. If you just do a Google search for uh, Action Cam, I think there's two or three of them that are in the 29 to $39 range. 
and they they're basically knockoffs uh, of the GoPro. They they work fairly well. There's several videos I've watched. I actually, believe it or not, have the actual GoPros. I have two sessions and two of the uh, Hero Fours. Um, but I know that the guys have done side-by-side comparisons with the less expensive types, and they're fairly comparable. Probably not as clear of a photo, but for what Menard wants to use them for, I think it would be great, and they're inexpensive. So if something happened to it, um, you know, it's not like he's out $400, right. dollars Or he doesn't have to spend all that money. Spend that money on an airplane and buy the $29 camera. <laughs> At least that's my advice. Bernard. Hopefully uh, you'll take that into consideration. He also asked us about float flying, which I thought would be a great topic for tonight's episode. Kind of all dabbled in it. Jay's a lot more of an expert at it than uh, than I am. I've done it a couple times when I was up there, but uh, he wants us to uh, kind of dedicate, I'll dedicate this episode to Bernard, but he wanted to know a little bit about float flying. It's it's summertime right around the corner, right? May That's is true. Uh, a couple weeks, a couple days away. As a result, we can uh, talk about floats. And Jay, you've done a lot of float flying. I've done a little bit of float flying, being that I was up in Alaska. That's just one of those things that people do. And I was very fortunate that from very close to the our field that where we flew, just a mile or two down the road, we had a beautiful lake, Otter Lake, that we'd fly out of. And also by my house, I had a, a lake that was pretty close by that where AK Mike and myself have had many an adventure and mishaps. <laughs> we, we won't go into those. I think those you and I had a couple as well on that lake too, right? This is the part that I love about this hobby. You know, everybody thinks, oh, you just fly planes, but it's amazing when you take a plane and you put floats on them and then you fly it off the water and then it's totally different. You know, there's a whole different aspect on how you have to take off, how you have to land, what you have to be more aware of. Uh, the satisfaction when you grease a landing on the water and it makes no sound or, you know, barely makes a ripple that just, you just can't beat it. Or if you put skis on a plane and you're flying off the skis, how that totally changes from float flying, having skis on your plane. And you have to be aware of having what type of snow you have and how, how much it sticks, sticks to your skis, things like that. It's, it's choice. <laughs> That's another fun. one of those words. that I know. I have another cognitive. word that I can't say. <laughs> I have to write that down. Cognitive. Uh, well, let's start at the beginning here uh, with a float plane. First of all, the floats usually come separate. They either have wheels or skis, and then you put the floats on. I will tell you that aerodynamically, you are changing the way the airplane is going to fly. It will fly very similar, but it's going to be heavier because you mm-hmm. have more drag. Uh, you have these big float things that are not really built to be on the on you know the airplane. So you got to make sure your CG is right. Uh, you got to make sure that the the rudders uh, on the um, on the floats are able to steer, uh, all that kind of thing. So make sure that when you do a conversion and you take the landing gear off, put these floats on, that they're secured very well onto your airplane. And just understand the airplane is going to fly a little bit heavier than what you're used to. True. Now, you mentioned earlier about taking off on the water. Why is it so? How, how do we taxi on the water? That's a good good start for this. I got, I got my floats, water. set it in the water, sure. the airplane just floats right out to sea. <laughs> okay, sure. Let's back up a little bit. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about safety. So once again, you, you don't have to have a massive lake to go to go fly off of. But one of the things, as, as me and all my partners that I've flown with, we've always liked to have some type of air-sea rescue because it's amazing, I guess, how the odds of things going wrong when you add water 
it's exponential. You know, the, the sure. motor doesn't work. This your battery goes dead, uh, and it always happens out in the middle of the lake. Another thing you have to be aware of is where you put uh, the type of plane you're flying and where you put your antenna for your receiver. Um, it just so happens that the further out in the lake you go, and if you have it, <laughs> and you have your antenna at different places. Gee whiz, water and, and radio waves don't mix, and you can lose the reception to your radio. Okay, so I have to say right now, this is an important, this is a very important, you'll never guess how I know this. This is a very important <laughs> aspect to to float flying. Uh, I have uh, what's, I think, called a dragonfly or a skipper or a, 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 yeah, goes or by a, a couple star. Of there was a couple of yeah. different names for it, right? So... That plane, the receiver in it, sits actually below the waterline. Now the antenna, uh. the antenna wasn't below the waterline, but the receiver was. And I found that when I flew it, it was probably about a hundred yards away. When it, when it was in the water, about a hundred yards away from me, it didn't respond quite as well as it needed to in the right, water. Right, because it's sitting below the water and it's not getting the reception. Right, right, exactly. Additionally, the wind, which wasn't very heavy was also impacting the ability to turn and or just do any kind of maneuvering. Um, and since the ailerons are basically in the water at that point, because this plane is low to the low to the water surface, um, you know, you, you don't get full functionality of that. And right, think of a delta wing on, on the water. Yeah. So you don't get full functionality of any kind of maneuverability. And the rudder only did so much so it just had a lot of different play anyway sorry that i just wanted to say this is a very very important element that, that uh, and it, i i understand what mike's talking about because i think the another important element is where you fly on the water because flying at the ocean on the beach is probably not as good as flying in the lake that's nice and calm or right? a you pond, don't want right you don't want 50 foot waves or 10 foot <laughs> waves even crashing no. over your airplane <laughs> Uh, no, the calmer the better. In the Atlantic or Pacific. So uh, find a nice, smooth place. I have a little wash uh, out by, you know, where my old home was, and it would fill up full of water, and you could fly off of that. But the lake that Jay's talking about was beautiful lake, nice and calm. There was a little area that the water was just still, and when you push that out there, you, you know, you could taxi around. So anyway, back to what you were saying, Jay. Right. Uh, antenna placement is, is very important. Another thing that you, of course, fly or made in your planes on a nice calm day, but actually if the water, there is no, let's say there's no wind whatsoever and it's, the water looks like glass, it's reflecting, you can see the mountains, it's beautiful. Sometimes it's actually harder to get off the water because of the surface tension. The surface tension on the floats makes it hard for you to get up on step and break that surface tension to fly. So sometimes it helps if you just have a light breeze, you know, just three or four miles an hour, just enough to get those little ripples. And those little ripples will cause, you know, that surface to break that surface tension between the floats. And it depends on the type of float you have. If you have flat bottom floats, it's really difficult because that's just, you know, two surfaces just sucking together. Uh, if you have more of the canoe or, you know, type style of right. floats, it's a little easier to break that surface tension and, and break, you know, get off the water. Really, there's nothing you can do about it, but I'm just saying just be aware of it. Now, back to your safety thing, though, you need to have a boat or a fishing line to get your to get. Recovered. Oh, right. All right. Air Sea Rescue. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, so one of the two lakes that I flew at, the one that was closest to my house, even though I didn't bring a boat with me, it was small enough that if I had a mishap, 
in the water and the wind was blowing, it would pretty much, it was easy to get to the other side of the, you know, to the, of, I won't say it was a lake. It was a small, you know, small pond type of thing. I could easily get to the other side and retrieve the aircraft. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like the Otter Lake, which was, I don't know how many acre lake. You, you were walking around that lake. Oh, that thing was huge. I took that in consideration. So at least right. I could walk or we walk around or you can get to the edges and you can get a pole or a fishing pole and you can get your stuff. In Otter Lake, it was nice because since it's a family lake, there was a lot of people out in paddle boats. There was boats that were out there. So if I went down, it was it was very easy to ask somebody if they could go paddle out to it, get get our plane, and come back with it. Now, what I usually travel with is I have a fishing pole, and I always try to land semi-close to myself so that if I do have a mishap, I can get out my fishing pole with a weight on it, cast over my plane, reel it in slowly, kind of snag the plane, and reel it back in. At least that's the idea. Now, do you have a hook? Is there a hook on there? Or it's just a sinker. No, just no, it's just a weight. So you can zip it out. Just a weight. And then, do you land towards yourself, or do you land like left and right? It just depends on the wind. Well, once again, it depends on what the wind's doing. Ultimately, I want to fly with the wind kind of blowing back to my side of the lake. Sure. So, that so kind of quartering your... towards me, right. if I could. Right. Um, but that's not always possible, but that's what I try to maneuver myself to do. Sometimes you get out there and the wind changes and it's blowing, quartering away from you. <laughs> you know <laughs> how that chasing, goes. And it, chasing your, uh, and it wants your to go right right in the middle of the lake. It just, I don't know, they just seem like it's drawn to that. So right. that's kind of funny. But if And if you have a boat, like I have a little porta boat uh, if I'm going to be out there for all day or I'm going to a fun fly, I bring that with me so I can you know jump in it and row out to get the boat. Now, I kind of talked Mike to go to the lake that was close by my house, AK Mike, to go out to my house, and we were flying with his little Polaris, AK Polaris-type plane, and he had a mishap. And luckily, a lady donated our her boat to us. You, you want to kind of tell about a little bit about that story, Mike? I think I'd call it a boat. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd call it more of a a kid's raft. <laughs> it's uh, something they blow up and play in the bathtub with. I mean, it had sides. Like you had, to, you had to sit in it, and it had a, it had actual oar. I barely could, like, if I knelt wow. in it, I barely could fit in there. But you know, it was big enough for one person to do what they got to do. But it certainly wasn't, you know, it wasn't shaped in a way that would. Well, well, I guess I just don't have that much, much experience <laughs> in that kind of a vehicle. If you've ever seen a whale out of water. Well, imagine that along with an oar, the wind. It's just an inept uh, paddler going at trying to did find Did you just go plane. around in circles? Oh, it was, I mean, that Jay had more fun than I did. I imagine just watching. He he, t he gave me some conversation that he and the lady had about. She's like, <laughs> hey, does this guy know how to paddle? I was like, I thought he did. So, wait, it was my... It, it, <laughs> Do you think he's going to fall in? I don't know, but it'll be funny if he does. You know, that kind of stuff. They were just kind of going back and forth. I could hear him every once in a while laugh out loud. I was like, So the good right, news is it was Mike's airplane anymore. and Mike had to go get it, right? That's usually what happens. If it's your own airplane, you got to go retrieve it. That's right. That's the rule. So, Oh, yeah, that's the idea. And it wasn't like it, Jay would have gotten in the boat with me if there was enough room. There, there wasn't. <laughs> Jay's was shaking no his head. There enough room. There's no way I would have gotten in the boat with Mike. We <laughs> were just... So you had one – did you just row on one side or did you alternate sides? Cause... No, no it's all, I alternated, but, it, you know, it was wide enough of a boat that oh, right. that wasn't easy. And, again, I have no – you know, I, I don't 
I don't do that. It's that's something that's not one of the things I do in my life. To do that was just sort of, you know, hilarious <laughs> really for everybody except me. And there was just enough of a breeze. There was like, I don't know, it wasn't it wasn't like windy, but it was just enough of a breeze that was blowing like Mike right. we could start getting closer right. to the plane and the parts. And there was just enough of breeze that it would just keep it right out of reach, and he's trying to reach you with the paddle. And the wake would, would do the same and, thing, and the wake, yeah, would move him, and then would move everybody apart. And then he would, it, since he was bigger than the little plane part that was out there, the wind would blow him more oh, than it would you. blow the plane part. And so he was getting blown away from the part. He'd try to paddle back, and he's doing little circles. And the lady and I, she was just, she, I don't think she had more. more oh, that yeah. was like, Watch I think, the much. highlight of her year. Yeah, her, her husband had passed, I guess, like within the yeah. last two years before that. That and and she was like, so this is his boat, and he used to paddle in it, so I'm not really using it. And I think I think you know she probably had some good memories to about uh, about all that. She just seemed like she was in a way better mood than when we met her. After well, that. I, yeah, I'm sure she probably <laughs> oh, yeah. remembered her she, husband she being able to go night. out and back and watching you going around in circles was probably even funnier. But I was <laughs> disappointed that she didn't tip me. I mean, I should have gotten a tip, you know, for the good entertainment, <laughs> but I, she didn't Mike's do that. So, about, you know, I will send you a that's, dollar. That's the way it is. That's the way we'll it is. tack it onto that uh, hot dog. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay. So I guess the main thing, too, is, is that uh, once you've got your boat and your rescue water rescue stuff uh it's time to head out and and then learn how to fly on the water and you mentioned earlier no 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 it is not that's what i did i just i grabbed your airplane had floats on it let's just head out no well because it was already prepped for you oh well you didn't tell me i had to prep stuff so for ak mike for the incident that you you know the you you crashed that plane i mean it, it it dove into the water it was a submersible. I do remember that. When it came out, like, your your escape and your motor and all your other gear was still fine, right? Oh, yeah. Why was that? Well, well, in the case of the, that particular plane, uh, it came with an escape that has silicone, uh, like, squirted into the ends of the escape. So water wasn't going to get inside of the escape. Okay. But there was plenty of water inside where that stuff is stored so without that the escape would have failed receiver on the other hand isn't like that it didn't yeah it wasn't it wasn't waterproofed it didn't have silicone nah. right. uh, so what it came with was a balloon you're supposed to stick the receiver in a balloon and then sort of tie off the balloon to sort of limit what water or limit or, or exclude any water coming in there but we weren't happy enough with that idea Generally speaking, when we do anything in the water, Jay showed me this one thing. It uses something called was it Corrosion X, yeah. I think is the name of it. Yeah, Corrosion X. You can get it at your local Walmart or uh, Amazon. Yeah. It's an electron- It's for electronics, right? Keep them dry. No, actually, it's not for electronics. That's the funny part. It's it's exactly what it says. It's, for, it's to stop corrosion on things like... Uh, you know, engine parts, tools, things like that. It just so happens you can spray this. I, now, I don't know who figured this out, but on, like, RC groups and other places, guys figured out that you could spray your escape. You take your escape, uh, one end of, of the, what do you call that stuff, uh, shrink tube, and you just, you get the little straw, you stick it in there, psh, let it all foam up and get in there, and shake off the excess, let it sit for a day, and after it sits for a day and kind of dries out a little bit, 
you can dunk that thing right in the fish tank and use it. Hmm. In fact, I, I saw uh, a couple of YouTube videos out. So if you go looking around, you can find it where a guy took a motor and an escape. I don't remember if the receiver was in there or not, but he took some uh, the, the escape and the motor at the very minimum, and he, and he stuck it in, in six inches of water, and he ran it for like 30 seconds or 50 seconds, a minute, like for a long wow. time. While it was underwater? While it was underwater. Wow, that's and pretty it, impressive. Yeah, and it worked. Uh, and I was I was like, wow, that's crazy. Now, I know that if you run a motor underwater, in certain circumstances, you're just going to burn it up. But right. he just showed that you could do it. And I think there's probably minerals or something in the water that's going to cause it to short circuit or whatever. I don't know what that um, No, you can run electric motors in water. In fact, uh, with, with the old brush-style motors, the way they used to break their, uh, the not the bearings, what do they call those brushes. things? Uh, they're made out of brushes. Yeah, the brushes. The way they broke the brushes in was they, they put it in water and run it. New modern motors, they can run underwater no problem. Like I said, it's the escapes, and it's the, oh, what is the electrical the part that's on them? The, Man, getting the, old the board sucks. Itself. Oh, I know what it is. It's uh, MOSFET, or FETs for short. Mm -hmm. Metal Oxide Semiconductor Field Effect Transistor. That's basically what it is. They're like tiny transistors, and it's able to turn off and on really, really quick, like 2,000 times a second. And that's what makes the magnetic field to move around the coils in your motor. And they're really susceptible to water, and they burn out in a second. They do not like water, not a drop of water, they, not even a wafting of water. They will short out. They'll burn up if you're not too careful. Depending on where you live, if you like to fly on the, like with skis or in the snow, it helps to put some corrosion X on your escapes because people go and fly in the snow having fun. They get a little bit of snow in their in the motor, you know, in, in their engine compartment and it melt, you bring it back inside. It melts a little bit. You go to use it the next time and it <laughs> out comes the magic smoke, you know, and you're like, what happened? So yeah, put this stuff on there. It's, it's awesome. I've never had a problem ever. Using just a it. disclaimer while we're talking about this, the, we use the term escape, but just to make sure our listeners who probably haven't caught up with all of the uh, podcasts in the past, uh, it stands for electronic speed controller ESC. We uh, look at our keyboard and the in the upper left hand side it says ESC, which stands for escape, and that's how we nicknamed it. So the three of us call it an escape, but <laughs> in reality, the rest of the world calls it an ESC. I don't know about so the rest of the world. I mean, we shouldn't alienate us that much, Mike. There's at least four other guys. Oh, that's true, but they uh, call it escape. Four <laughs> others, I guarantee you. Four other guys. Yeah. Well. Anyway, so that tells our listeners what. So. So you're talking. Um, Mike was talking about the balloon. You didn't like the balloon. So what? What did you use instead for the receiver? Yeah, you said that it came with a receiver, and then you were like, "Oh yeah, I didn't. I, we didn't like that." And then Cor Jay went off on corrosion X. You know, watching you spin around. So you didn't use the balloon at all. You just sprayed corrosion X. Yep. And then didn't put it in the balloon. That's right. But you could. Could right? have. You could spray it with you spray it with corrosion X, and then stick it in the balloon. Have. Which causes it to be double, you know, pretty much yeah, waterproof. Yeah, double right? waterproof. Sure. I mean, there's no, okay, no reason not to. And then you know you got to be careful putting your receiver in the bottom of your plane uh, if it's kind of a boat type airplane like your Polaris was, right? Uh, so that it's below the water, you don't get the reception that you quite do. But Jay has one, uh, his Fun Cub, that actually has true floats that you would see. I know the Timber has floats. 
Uh, there's that new Cessna 170 from, um, what's the name of the company there, That uh, the guys that make Aura Flex. 8. Flex, Flex Innovations make uh, that Cessna 180, 170, whatever it is, and it has floats on it as well. So those airplanes actually sit way above the water. You still have to worry about putting something on your electronics to keep them from getting wet. Um, do you spray your servos as well? No, don't spray your servos at, with Corrosion X. Okay. The electronics will, they'll, they'll like it, but unfortunately, when you go to spray that stuff, it may get on your actual... The gearing or the no. the actual the, motor There's a little, there's a little, the pots, that's the word I was looking for. It'll get on the pots, and once that stuff gets on the pots, it'll ruin the servo. So you don't want to Because do it that. doesn't know where to go right through right. that, right? Because it's protected, and right. it's got a film over them, so they can't read far to go so if you're gonna if you're going to try to waterproof your servos a couple of things you can do you can take your servo apart you can smear a bunch of vaseline uh right where the gear comes out of the servo yeah you know servo head you spread a bunch of vaseline on that put it back down you could tape put tape around it or glue it shut and then put a little silicone where the servo wires come out of it won't keep it 100 percent waterproof but it'll keep the majority of the water out of the servo that if water gets in them, that sits in there and then what little metal parts they do have in them, they'll start to rust after a while. So you just have to be aware and just look at them every once in a while. So I used epoxy and my servo stopped working. Do you think that was the problem? No, not at all. (laughs) I didn't really use epoxy, (laughs) but you can use anything that uh, waterproof. Like you could, the silicone is a really good idea. You can just smear it around the casing if you needed to. Now, I will tell you, though, that securing your servos is also important. We learned that Yes, that, I, I we learned that point uh, very much. So AK Mike had given me a great Christmas gift, this K-Polaris-style plane. Uh, he gave me a Blue Core version that he had home-built and built himself, and he gave it to me for Christmas. So I was, like, all about this plane. And it flew wonderfully because it was a Blue Core style aircraft and with the motor system that i put in it it had a fantastic weight to ratio it would get off the water and just fly like a dream and it just it was awesome so when mike came when arizona mike came up to visit i took him out and said hey we'll fly with this plane first because it's the easiest to fly on the water take off the water you know it just comes off like a dream no problem get you flying around do a couple of touch and goes and then we'll put you on a more conventional aircraft so we're out there flying, and everything's going great, and Mike's doing this high-speed pass, and the plane did this nosedive. There was a dock that was out there, and wouldn't you know it? Oh, like, well, I, I flipped it first, yeah, remember? Yeah. That's really what, ca- that's what caused the second. Oh, that's right. I that's right. I think we had this conversation on another yeah, podcast. We but did. Yeah, we did. But long story uh, short, quick. after we got it back, did the NTSB report, and we're looking at it, it yeah. so happens that I secured – everything down with double-sided tape and wouldn't you know it double-sided tape and water prolonged water use they don't guarantee it for that so i kind of took it out of its uh i I lost the warranty on that so i was very disappointed that i wrecked mike's uh aka mike's hard work over a dumb mistake like that so needed to hot those things down or sorry mike i I damaged it sorry well we blame it on jay because he built it badly (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well double-sided tape double-sided tape and water don't mix so we'll uh we'll throw that one out but i will tell you though it does mix is gorilla glue 
and water do mix, they create an incredibly strong bond that is waterproof as well. Yeah. Once again, silicon, I use silicon to uh, keep the, you know, between the two surfaces would have been fine too. So, right. So make sure that you secure all of your servos to the area as well, because if water gets underneath, whatever you have securing them, if it's not an epoxy or some sort of a silicone or waterproofing type glue, uh, you may have issues with, uh, with a servo coming loose. So now that I have the airplane all prepped, well, you're I just not throw done in yet. the water and go. Because you just you just ah. remind, you just remind me of something else. Okay. Well, okay. That's what so, I'm here for. It, all right, we're talking mainly foamies, but if a lot of guys will bring out uh, some older kits or some other models that may have a little bit of wood on them, and they once again they fly beautifully off the water, um, you'd think, okay, I protected my I protected my escape. I've I've done all the the measures. Well, wouldn't you know? You need to kind of protect anything that's wood or wood-related. I could give you another example. We had a plane that we were flying with, flying off the floats. Everything was flying. We never dunked it, never really splashed it or got it wet. But over continually using the aircraft and water would get on the wings, well, the water seeped under the monocoat of the wings. And it got the, all the, uh, all the wood in the wings got wet. And then after a summer... You know, put the plane away, took it out the next year, and this was it my looks like fr- a big fat watermelon. It <laughs> swole up. It swole up, and the wings just, you know, just looked like a pretzel. <laughs> They're all twisted. It just warped, just warped the wings like nobody's business. That's awesome. And we didn't, you know, we didn't even realize it, you know, because the plane looked yeah. fine. It didn't look like there was like a pool of water in the wings. It was just a little bit of moisture getting underneath, you know, getting under the, the monocoat. And it and it affected it. So, one of the things I will tell you, if you have any kind of wood, a wood plane, and you're going to bring it anywhere near the lake, one of the things you should probably do is get some Minwax uh, poly polyacrylic. We talked about it before. Put some of that on there uh, when you're putting building your plane. Let it sit. Put a coat or two on, and once you do that, you don't have to worry about it warping or twist on you after you waterproof it. And I think that's about it. Can you paint that right on the monocoat? Mm, yeah. I mean, if something gets on there, it's not going to do anything. Well, I mean, what if you, like, most of the airplanes that come nowadays are ARFs. I mean, oh. the foam ones, I don't really worry about getting wet. But some of these, uh, like like your Turbo Beaver, for instance, that's all wood. Right. And now you put floats on it, and the floats are wood, too, if I'm not mistaken. And you put all that together. How do you get Minwax underneath, or can you just you paint won't. over it? Or? Unfortunately, I, I would think for something like that, depending on how they built it, uh, in order to keep water out, it might behoove you to get some. Once it sounds kind of cheesy, but you know, clear tape, and just go over the seams, and just try to minimize it as much as you can. I, I mean, uh, you could paint it with Minwax over it, but I, once again, if if the monocoque comes up or, you know, starts coming apart, Minwax isn't really going to do anything. Right. I don't know. Maybe some of our listeners might have a couple of. Well, interesting you say that because Spencer here in Arizona, I know he uh, listens occasionally. He was building a big airplane. He actually uses thin CA. And what he'll do is he'll take a, a really like a small pipette kind of thing, and he'll just use this thin CA along the edges of all his monocoque where they touch. So if he has like, you know, a stripe going down, he'll just 
put it along the edge, and it basically seals all that monocoat. Oh, okay. So it'll stay, it'll stay seated. It won't peel off or, or come off. So kudos out to Spencer for listening and for uh, giving me the idea to put CA on the monocoat to keep it all down. So maybe that'll help out. I'll check for sure for him, but I think that'll help with the waterproofing as well. Okay, well, we're ready to go now. We're ready to go flying. So now we get now we get to go flying. We get to put uh, the airplane. It's all prepped, and and now we go out to the water. And I toss it out there, hit the throttles, and man, we're off and running. Um, you're supposed to say no. <laughs> well, Cause, well, because that's what you've that's said. That's why I was going. Mm, Every time I say something, it's going to get kind of interesting here, depending on which way the wind's you know pointing and blowing and what the little waves are doing. So so f- the first things first, though, right, is the launch. You have to get it, and you have to start taxiing, which for me, whenever I first started in the water, uh, when Jay was up there with me at the lake, that was probably one of the hardest things because I'm used to have a tail wheel or a nose wheel that you push left and right on the rudder, and it basically steers like a, you know, like a you know wheelbarrow. You just move it around. Not so in the water. No. Because you give it throttle – and then when you come off of the throttle, you A are still moving, right? True. And B, you're not you're not tracking straight because the wind is blowing you across, the waves are pushing you across, and now you have um what are those things called? Rudders instead of wheels. So there's no there's no friction or I shouldn't say there's no friction, but there's the wheels that normally would be in place that would turn the airplane are now these little water paddles in the back of the rudder. And it also depends on how fast you're going, right? How effective Correct. your turn is going to be. Correct. So now I have a P-factor problem. When I add power, the airplane immediately wants to turn to the left just from the P-factor in the propeller. But I don't want to turn left because that's into the – I want to turn right. And now it's very difficult to do a right turn because the wind is blowing to the left. I'm turning to the left, and now I have to turn into the wind. Very difficult to do. For me, it was very because I wasn't familiar with it. Right. And and depending on how hard the wind's blowing, how much throttle you have to give it, counteracting all the things you just talked about, there's a happy little medium, right? That And it's constantly changing. It doesn't stay the same. No. Depending on if because the Because the, you, you could be lapping on, you know, the water where we were flying was kind of coming up onto the shore, and it was constantly a way there were – boats and you know little paddle boats and what have you out on the lake so it was constantly pushing that little wave and the wind was pushing it too it kept wanting to come back into shore so i i had a hard time i had to turn left and then i had to basically go get it turn the airplane around facing instead of facing left and going left i had to face it right and then when i added power it went out to the middle of the lake instead of right back to the shore yeah if that makes sense yeah yeah According to my buddy Pete, who is a pilot as well, also one of the th- it's not obvious. Uh, you have to you have to use your ailerons as well, you know, for making for making a turn or turning into the wind. Or once again, like you were just talking, P factor wants you make wants you make you go left for left, right, and then you want to you want to turn against it. And once again, by using your ailerons while you're making that turn, will help you turn more or less. So, and, it, and also, well, it makes a, more, a lot more difference when you're in the plane and depending on how gusty the wind is, how much the plane may actually kind of rock with the wind and you're just trying to counteract that. So it's almost like doing a flat turn when you're, when you're flying. So, you right, know, you're, right, you're, right. you may be stomping on the rudder and, and turning the opposite way with your ailerons, you know, to kind of get it to, to flatten out 
and be able to make the turn. And then increasing the, you know, once again, increasing the throttle to help make the turn. Uh, I think Bernard's going to not want to do this. <laughs> what? <laughs> We've made it kind of tough. <laughs> yeah, Bernard's like, I mean, okay, I, I've heard enough, you know, 30 yeah. minutes into the podcast. He's going to get done. a boat. He's going to get an RC boat, and that's what he's going to do. He's not going to do the plane. Which is a good idea, too. They do have RC boats, and they have RC sailboats and little jet skis and stuff. So, uh, And actually, I just saw a YouTube video not too long ago of the guys that were driving the trucks on the water. Have you seen that? They have the little RC trucks, and they put the paddle tires on them for the sand, and then they hammer the throttle and go off the, the dock hit the water, and then they scoot the thing around. It was pretty crazy. I'll send you a link, but uh, it was pretty funny uh, to be able to do that. I think people in Alaska used to do that with snow machines. Uh, they do it with snow machines, too. Yep, I've seen them do that. Actually, I have done that uh, before. I Where? did not know I was in New York. We went up to the, what is that, the Anirondacks up there? Yeah. Is that what you call those? Yeah, Anirondacks. And we went, snow, we went snowmobiling up there, and I was following this guy, and I was going to pass him on the little trail. And so I went to the left and he went to the right and I found myself like right in the middle of this river. <laughs> I was just hammering on the throttle and it was just sinking, sinking, sinking. And he yells at me not to let off the throttle. So eventually I came up on the other side, but it was uh, all covered in snow. I didn't know it was a river. It just had <laughs> snow on top of it. So it was pretty funny. I almost bought myself a snow machine at that point in, in time. But uh, yeah, that was several years ago. It was fun though. Bernard, hopefully we haven't uh, turned you off so far. Now that we're ta- we've talked about taxiing, I will tell you that the ailerons uh, help aid uh, the wind deflection. So in- even in a real airplane, when you're taxiing out, you always want to put your aileron into the wind, and that'll help the airplane uh, kind of stay stable. So I know for an RC airplane, especially on floats, it sits way higher up off the ground or off the water uh, than it would normally be sitting on the ground because the floats actually get you higher up you know, putting the ailerons into the wind will actually help you, um, you know, taxi around. Absolutely. So taxiing for me, uh, once I figured it out, uh, I realized that it was easier to give a little bit more power, uh, using the rudder to steer it, and then using the P factor and the ailerons to kind of get myself lined up into the wind. Once I got lined up into the wind, I just advanced the throttle and started kind of moving forward. That's the biggest problem that people have. They get out there and they it's kind of mm-hmm. into the wind. You know, like you would on the ground. Eh, it's kind of in the wind. You know, it's good, good enough. Uh, well, actually, just just wait right. ten seconds, and the plane will point itself directly into the wind. Every it weather veins basically into it, the wind. It'll weather vane right into the wind, and you just let it do its thing. And then now it doesn't matter, you know, what's blowing on your face and what you think is in the wind. Just wait, wait ten seconds. Let the plane just kind of bob along. It'll it'll weather vane into the correct direction, and then take off. And your takeoffs will be. Oh, and the other thing is. You can't, and I'm sure everybody's seen this, and Mike and I talk about this all the time. There's some people when they go to take off, it's from zero to 100, and then they just hang on and hopefully they'll they'll go off the (laughs) ground. That's true. (laughs) And what you need to do is just slowly advance the throttle, and especially on on the float plane, you slowly advance the throttle, you allow the plane to get up on step. And you'll notice immediately that the minute it gets on step and just a... You know, like one third of that float comes out of the water. All of a sudden, now the plane is easy to maneuver on the water and taxi on the water. You can zip it. You could actually just zip around the lake if you want to. It's easy to take off. You let it get up on step, build up some speed, a little back pressure, and the plane will break break the surface tension of the water, 
and you'll just come off beautiful. Now, uh, explain to me the step part. I, I know what it is, but, I mean, explain to our listeners what a step is. When you get it up on the step, does that make sense? Mike, you've heard that before, right? Yeah. And it, and you've flown, you've flown uh, float planes, right? Yep. Yeah, so uh, each float has, like, this sort of boat, like Jay was talking about, boat-like shape, right? And right. the front part of the float is lower or extends further into the water than the back part of the float. That, okay. that's, that's what they call the step. And so to get a plane on step is you just got to go fast enough where that difference between the lower and the upper part of the float is no longer in the water. That's basically what's happening. So that it creates this air gap right where that step is, and then that lets you separate from the water at that point. Now, I, I found that if you just pull the throttle all the way, I mean pull the throttle, pull the, the elevator all the way back, it sets the floats into the water so far. It's like if you've ever water skied, it's like not having the tip of your ski out of the water far enough. So it just drags the airplane through the water. It never gets up on the top of the water. Mm-hmm. It's just dragging the bottom of the, uh, the very back of the um, floats. Well, yeah, you're causing the step because usually the step is like just behind or right around the CG. Mm-hmm. So when you put the elevator, you're just basically forcing the step to be in the water the whole time. Right. And I, I drove around like that for, you know, five minutes and I'm like, Jay, it's not working. <laughs> and he's laughing at me like, OK, dude, that's not how you do this. Because on a normal airplane, you could do that with wheels, right? You could pull all right. the way back, pin the tail, give it the gas. It'll roll about, you know, 40 feet and then, or 10 feet or whatever. And then it'll just pitch straight up in the air. Not so with a water plane. Not even close. If you put too much forward stick, because I found later that if I eased a little bit of forward stick, not a lot, but just just out of the middle towards the front, and then started adding the throttle, it actually rolled up the back side of it and kind of put the float perfectly planed across the water. Then, as I released... You know, as I came in more on the throttle, I could see the nose kind of digging. You don't want to put it too much because it'll just dig right into the, the water, the front of the float swell. But then as you kind of rocked it backwards, then it would get airborne. It, you had that problem, Mike? I, I have had that problem. Um, I found that the, <laughs> I the... Found that front of one of my planes did a real good job of collecting water after I put it down into the, you know, nose in. And then oh, it basically gotcha. just sucked the plane down into the water. Full throttle, it just went to the no, bottom. No, 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 not full throttle at all. So I, oh. I was flying, and I put too much down or too much throttle one, and too much down pressure or forward pressure, and the nose went in the water. I was like, okay, well, I'll be fine. Well, the problem was is that then the the cowling filled with water, and then that just took the plane down into the water, and then because the cowling was full of water, then the rest of the cavity uh, behind that motor filled with water, so it turned over. It was entirely full of water, and now all I see is floats. You know, <laughs> that's right because the whole airplane's upside down, and yeah, the floats exactly. are upside down. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. The, and the motor doesn't work anymore, right? So it's, it's, I mean, it doesn't doesn't. I tried to use it as a thruster. It was like, nah, that's not a good idea. <laughs> thruster. It does work though. Uh, it it yeah. can, yeah, but it, it's, yeah. It's, there was. Did you rename that uh, the Titanic? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So once you get up on step and the airplane gets airborne, it flies pretty much like a regular airplane. Although, albeit, it will fly a little heavier. Um, it, right, because now do... you have the, the the weight of the floats. You know, it's like a not a, right. like a pendulum, but you'll notice the difference. That, like I said, that heavier feel or that a different feel to the aircraft with the floats underneath it. You know, 
acting, not acting totally like a pendulum, but it does feel a little different. Yeah, all you have to do is try to do a roll, and you'll see exactly what he's talking about. True, but I, I have flown the, uh, when I flew Jay's uh, Cub, I did do some aerobatics with it, although it was kind of lethargic doing the whole thing because it didn't want to roll quite as fast because the, you know, you're not rolling wheels, you're rolling these canoes that are underneath the airplane. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, it doesn't like flying inverted as well. At least the, that airplane didn't. It was, you know, it, it had a little bit more of a nose heavy. So when you rolled it upside down, it was like you really had to push hard to get the airplane to to do it. Although, I know that there's guys in videos of uh, that are guys that are flying Jay's big turbo beaver that have floats, and that, that thing doesn't look like it cares what is on the bottom of it. So right. I think your thrust to weight ratio would be be pretty good. So now we've flown around through our battery, and it's time to come in and land, which is also very tricky. Well, I I think it's a little less tricky than taking off. Okay. Because you're going to come down no matter what. That's just... <laughs> when you, you run out of battery, anything, you have you're no choice. You're going to hit the water. <laughs> but, but once again, you have, to, you have to land into the wind. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's much easier if you land into the wind until you get a little bit of experience landing in a little bit of a crosswind. Because it becomes very crucial if you're landing into any kind of a crosswind. Once you hit the water and you're getting blown around and the plane's going kind of fast, you will flip that plane. It flips like nobody's business because it's so high up. Well, not so high up, but it's high up enough that it, it can actually flip over. That kind of sucks to have your plane upside down floating around in the water. So. Well, you talked. You talked about the. He talked about the um, surface tension, and that's really what you're doing. You're coming back down and attaching that that canoe or, or the float back to the water surface. And so, when that tension starts to grab, it's going to have a natural tendency to nose over. And once you dig that front of the pontoon into the water, you, you cannot. You're, you don't. You do not have enough elevator to overcome those floats into the water. It's going to go over. But luckily, Bernard has been listening to this podcast because in the beginning you said, bring a boat. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. And so now when he lands, he's going to be able to go out there and paddle his way out to his airplane and get his boat. It doesn't matter. Or in Jay's case, over. he's just a good fisherman. He can actually fish it out. Right. Which is, which is hilarious. So once again, if you take your time, you know, line up. You know, the nice part about having a lake, you got lots of room typically. You take your time, line up your line up your uh, your your landing, and just your final approach. Gradually let it come in and land. Like I said, less is more. Less you do, the better it typically turns out. Until you can kind of figure out, you know, what's going on. You don't like like Mike was saying. You don't want to be like totally dead sticked and barely above. You know, about to stall the plane out and then hit the water because it's gonna hit all that friction and nose over. You want to have a little bit of airspeed or having the props turning a little bit and just let it come down, come down, have a little bit of speed and just put it on like a feather. And it's it's amazing when you do that. In fact, good for, well, AK Mike and, and a good friend of mine, Pete, we would have these contests and you could tell a good landing, a, a float landing by how quiet it is. It's almost like diving, guys diving in a pool, right? The less splash and the less uh, <laughs> noise they make, the better oh, right, it is. I don't right. even have to be watching a guy landing when he puts it down, and you're like, that was a nice landing. You know, I didn't even see it. I just heard it. 
And it's just one of those things, a little bit of pride when you, you, you put one in like that, you know, and not do a one point landing on the water. Skabloosh! <laughs> you hit your planes <laughs> down, it's a little wet. It's a little bit like a cannonball, but, um, you know, you'll get a little right. ridicule from the guys if you do that. Mine always sounded like someone slapping the water. Splat! <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. I mean, you, for, you know, for your, uh, for the Polaris, I mean, you used to put, I mean, some awesome landings with, with that plane. It was easy. Now, I, I found when we, when I flew up there that uh, it was a lot easier to learn when you came in with power. So a lot of guys will actually chop the throttle. If you're going to land with wheels, they'll come in, get right above the, you know, the basically the water, and then they'll just, or the when they're on land, they'll just, you know, get a little bit above it, chop the throttle, and then plop it onto the ground. That's... <laughs> Mike's giving himself the thumb. This guy, uh, that obviously happened to you, right? Um, but when you do it in the water, you're going to come to a dead stop. It's going to pitch over the front and probably flip the airplane. So I found that it was easier to come down to the water and keep the power on, which meant that I was moving and then let it kiss the top of the water and it would slow myself down. You don't really have to worry about it slowing down too much. Um, but the uh, first couple of approaches that I did uh, there at the lake with Jay, I, I went a little long, but then when I figured out, you know, that I'd come down wind and then turn around to come in and land, I would just come to the closer to the water so that it was touching down in front of me as opposed to past yeah. me. So, I, I think to Jay's, to Jay's frustration, um, I, when I land my planes, I typically cut the throttle before I land. I just cut it and I come down with no no throttle because – I want to be able to fly that plane in case there's some kind of motor problem. So I want to learn how to fly it without power. But the problem is, is that what you said, Mike, if you don't come down with any kind of speed and you cut the throttle uh, and you don't, and you don't, and you burn off all the speed before you hit the water, you're going to slap it like I do, mm -hmm. or, or you're going to end up putting the nose in and, and flipping it right over. So you gotta, you gotta have some speed. I don't, you know, whether you cut the throttle or not, that's that's a personal choice, I think. But but in terms of coming in at it, it's you're going to grease the landing more if you have power going than if you don't. I think. Well, I'm just saying that if you're trying to learn, you know, Bernard sounded like he wanted truly, you know truly. us to talk about it because as if he's never done it. If you're trying to get into this and you're going to first time, you know, to go out there and don't wreck your airplane, it's better yep. if you come in the first couple of times with power so that you can feel how the airplane sets on the water. Then later on, when you get to, you know, our experience level, then you can chop the throttle and come around and just keep your speed up, you know, and fly it right to the water as opposed to trying to get it just above the water and then stall it and let it plop onto the water. And trust me, I had my fair share of slap, you know, skip, slap, skip, slap, skip. It looked like a stone going across the water, uh, which it does. And then uh, once you touch down and get the airplane stopped, you're back into that taxi phase. And now you're facing the wrong direction. You're right. out to, you know, see or whatever, and you have to kind of get it back to shore. Well, uh, if he wants to try, I don't know if he has uh, an actual float plane, but I would definitely recommend going over to Model Aero. Um, that's where the Polaris-style planes that I was talking about are, are, are located, mm -hmm. and those are just awesome planes just because you can take them off the land, you can take them off, you know, the water, take them off the snow, the sand. It just doesn't matter. Those planes are just phenomenal. And they handle well. They look in the air. They go a little fast. They can slow down to nothing. It's amazing. In fact, that plane we used to actually plop onto 
you know, we'd, we'd bring it in, slow it right down, stall it out right above the water and just have it plop into the water. But it would, it would stall out such that it would just fall like an inch into the water and be dead. It was just so cool when you were able to do that. The plane flies high alpha, like nobody's business. I'm a fan of them myself. I just love it. Now, Hobby King has one. They call it something different. Yeah, they call though, it right? the skipper. Uh, dragonfly or skipper? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the dragonfly and the skipper. Skipper! And they have the skipper XL. Yeah, I, think I have too, that which one. Is the larger version I love of it. it. On the web, and find a park flyer airplane called the Flying W. And the Flying W is another one that you can do that will fly very well off of water or land. Yeah, it's a it's a blue core model, you know. So if you if Correct. you like building with blue it's core, uh, yeah, that's not one I'd recommend. Mm-hmm. Cheap, simple, easy to build. Uh, the tem- the timber I think comes with uh, they, floats. It does. Uh, that's the new E flight airplane, um, and it sits up high on just regular floats. There's a several others. The Fun Cub I think has mm-hmm. floats. Fun uh, uh, Fun Cub XL has floats. Well, you said the timber. Uh, I think Hobby King just came out with a new, like the Tundra, I think it's called. I think the Tundra has, has floats, floats as well. And they have a Tundra XL, yeah. I believe, too. Someone, And it has flaps and, and uh, lights and the whole thing. So it, it looks really, really good. I haven't um, actually physically seen it. But uh, from the videos and some of the guys that do have it, they really like it. Yeah. And, uh, but find a calm day, right? You want a little bit of a breeze, yeah. but not, uh, not yeah. just still the calmer, the better uh, yeah, you overcoming the surface tension. I'd rather you do that than deal with gusting winds or cross winds or right. anything flying on a nice, super calm day. It, it's also very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not serene, but there's something about when you fly off of a, a crystal clear lake that has no wind and you get the reflection off of it, of, you know, what the surrounding area first thing in the morning or in you know or in the evening and you're flying around with a float plane and the water's dripping off your plane and actually making ripples on the lake that is you can't beat that i mean that's that's a kodak moment you know what i mean oh yeah i have to say that flying up in alaska off that lake uh early in the morning like that was was definitely a relaxing hey this is awesome you know it just was a great outdoors you were out there with this float plane it was just super cool watching it fly over the water i'd just come in and kind of skim the water and i will tell you uh bernard if you do fly a float plane at any area that has water prepare for an audience yes because i don't know what it is about float planes but they will collect more people coming out to see you performing in the you know float plane i i swear we had Five or six people just show up, paddle over, you know, come up in their cars. Yes. Everybody wanted to talk to Jay while I was out flying the float plane. It was amazing. Yep. And uh, I think. I, I don't want to seem pessimistic here, but I think they're just gathering around hoping you'll crash. Well, they got their wish that day. <laughs> <laughs> they got their wish. But the, the cool part was. It's, it's nothing, you know, don't take this personally, Mike. I mean, it's not aimed at you or Jay. Uh-huh. It's just that, it's just that, you know, this is one of those things. It's like if that thing crashes, he's going to have to get in a boat. And paddle out there. That's going to be entertaining. And Jay already knows that's true. It is. It yeah, is. that's true. Yeah. Watching Mike do it, I'm sure, it was right. really entertaining. Exactly. We were lucky, though, Mike. We had a bunch of paddle boaters out there. There was yeah. probably about 20 of those guys on paddle boats. And I did crash way out in the middle. Uh, and one of the guys in the paddle boats just picked it up as he went by and brought it over. And then you would think that he would paddle up to the shore and hand it to us. No, he didn't do that. He got within 10 yards of it and tried to f- – 
paper airplaned over to us <laughs> and just kind of tossed it in our general direction. And, of course, it hit the ground. It hit the water and kind of spun around. And it's not working, obviously, because the battery was dead. But we had to kind of fish it out with the – I can't what Did you bring a fishing uh, net fish or something pole. that day, I think? This little fishing pole. Anyway, we finally got it back. But he's like, hey, man, sorry. And then he turns around and paddles yeah. back out. <laughs> like we're supposed to be like, hey – it's still ten feet away. Yeah. How am I supposed to get it? I have to it? admit, every time I've out gone there. out, you know, with doing this stuff, it has been memorable. Um, I'm sure uh, AK Mike can can attest to that. You know, <laughs> the antics that we had, the shenanigans. Right. Um, our good friend Pete, that we went flying out with one time, we um, the same lake, Otter Lake, and it was before the se- it was before the season. So, it, I, you know, the ice had just broke off the lake and and. But, you know, there's a few people out there, but nobody's out in paddle boats or nothing. It's just a dead lake. And his plane went down and or had a mishap, and he was like, how am I going to get it? Because there's no boats. You couldn't rent a boat or go and get a boat because they were all locked up on the shore. So uh, he ended up taking part of the dock and paddled the dock out. <laughs> he paddled oh, the my dock? Gosh. Yeah, it was hilarious. He He's paddling this huge dock oh out to get his boat, got his boat, brought it back in. We we left shortly thereafter. The lady who worked, works there at the uh, at Otter Lake or whatever, she was on the phone. She's calling the SPs, the cops and whatever. And it was it was hilarious. Because he stole half the dock to get yeah, out there? Yeah, they was were. Or, uh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like, it's not like he was stealing. He was just borrowing the dock for, you know, get his boat. So, or get his plane. So, yeah, that, you know, things like that would happen or, you know, other things. But, you other, know, it was one of those plastic squares or whatever. Yeah, the squares that go underneath the dock. It was a wood dock or anything. It was like one of those squares that just so, sort of floats. Oh, the, yeah, it's got like foam yeah, on the bottom. Platform. And so it yeah, it's yeah. a platform. So yeah, it wasn't yeah, yeah, like, platform, it right. wasn't like, yeah. So the worst part of it was that he just, you know, it, he just borrowed it. He okay, put it I'll, back. I'll tell you, right? I'll, I'll tell you, he used it for what it wasn't intended. Right. Let me tell you my 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 worst Pete story that that we did. You know, flying, float, flying. So we were out and we're float flying, and I we had the e starter, which you have, AK Mike, and mm-hmm. it had yeah. floats, and something went wrong, and I crashed that thing. Smacko right in the middle of the lake, and we're like, oh, what are we gonna do? And so we're usually there's plenty of people in boats or canoes out there, but like there was nobody there. And so we noticed there's a like a kid and he's got like a boat or whatever. We're like, "Hey, Sonny, you know, like what what are you doing?" He's like, "Oh, yeah, I was just about to test my boat. You want me to go get your plane?" And we're like, "Heck yeah, kid! If you can go out there and get our plane, we'd love it." And he's like, "Okay, sirs, you know, I'll go out and get your plane." We're like, "Yeah, yeah, go, go, go!" And we're like, "What is that?" And he's like, "Oh, I made this boat." And I go, "What?" <laughs> he goes, "I made this boat." And we're like, "You made it out of what?" He's like, "Cardboard." And so Pete's like, good enough for us. Now go out there and get it, Sonny. <laughs> there you go. Let me help you push you out there. So we push this kid out, and I'm like, it's cardboard. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I made it out of cardboard, and it's for a project. And, you know, to see if the thing will float, you can make things out of cardboard. And I'm like, oh, well, I, did, you've already tested it, right? And he goes, yeah, I'm testing it right now. And sure enough, Pete's like, well, go get the go get the plane, Sonny, and, you know, we'll, let's, we'll see how it works. And so the kid paddled out. By that time, his parents come walking down. They're like, Johnny, Johnny, where, have you seen my son, Johnny? We're like, uh, yeah, he's out in the middle of the lake. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, we haven't put his life jacket on. And we haven't, you know, we got a special flotation device and all this other safety gear. And we're like, oh, well, I'm sure he'll be fine, ma'am. You know, and Johnny's like, uh, it's starting to leak. <laughs> and Pete's like, okay, good. But can you get to the, can you get to the plane? <laughs> So, so the kid, he he got our plane, he got my plane, got all the pieces, came back in, and just as the 
just as the boat, all the glue lets loose in this cardboard boat, <laughs> and the kid makes it back. And I mean, I'm just like, okay, well, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't the nicest thing to do, but it was hilarious. It was hilarious, you know. Oh my gosh! So you guys are going to be in the news for drowning some kid. He willingly went out there, and it's Alaska, so you know, if people <laughs> want to do things like that, sure. who am I to stop you? <laughs> You know, if you want to ride your snow machine oh up to the gosh. top of a up top of a mountain, then turn sharply, and it's it starts a small you know avalanche, and the next guy's going to go right up to that same spot, and you go, hey, I wouldn't go up there. Ah, I'm going anyway. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've warned yeah, you. I warned you. Hey, that guy's buried under tons of snow. We'll get him in the we'll get him in the spring. We'll get the machine. We'll get his machine yeah. in the spring. Happens all the time out <laughs> up there. Uh, that's too yeah. funny. That would have been funny to watch the two of you trying to direct. I, I wish we had a camera because it was hilarious. <laughs> it was it was hilarious. Where were the GoPros when you needed yeah, them? Right. It, it, my, the funniest that's part is just funny. my my buddy Pete and just you know yeah yeah that's nice. Go ahead and get that Sunny. Yeah, quick. <laughs> you better paddle faster if it's leaking. You better paddle faster and get it. <laughs> uh, just, just paddle faster. You know. Good thing it wasn't Mike that was out there paddling because it didn't sound like his adventure was going too well. And Pete could say, Mike, go get it, go get it. And then Mike would be going around in a circle. His cardboard the water. would probably wear out. <laughs> All you see is the paddle out yeah. of the water. would not have gone out there in a cardboard boat. Yeah. That's the end of that. Oh, man. Oh, Bernard, we hope you've had a, uh, a wonderful time talking about floats. Uh, that, or I'm sorry. I hope you have a wonderful time flying on floats as we've had about talking about them. Uh, please give us an email if you uh, want more information on uh, flying floats. Remember safety. Uh, Corrosion X is a uh, preparation for your um, you know, electronics. Secure your servos. Uh, protect your wood if you have to. And uh, just uh, kind of review the things on taxiing, takeoff, and landing. So we wish you the best of luck. Thank you very much have for fun. getting in touch with us. Uh, have a great time. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, and get a boat. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Mike said to get a boat. Uh, we would love to hear how your adventure yeah. goes. So please uh, send us an email at theparkfirepodcast at gmail.com and tell us uh, about your yeah, adventure. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to have him on. We would appreciate that. Yeah, it would be, uh, it would be great to uh, have him uh, go out and fly, see what he learned, and uh, come back and tell us some of his adventures of flying on the water. Uh, Mike, sorry about not uh, being able to uh, get to your visit, but how about we do a podcast just on your visit? Because I know there's some funny antics uh, going on that you and uh, and Jay were. I able think the to word do shenanigans. With, uh, <laughs> shenanigans. Either way, uh, our hour is up tonight, but we are um, going to be back in two weeks and talk about Mike's trip to Texas. How's that work? Sounds great. Yeah. Well, all right. On behalf of Michael here in Arizona. And Jay in the hills of Texas. And Mike from the AK. Let's fly. Let's fly, and uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Thanks for joining us here at the Park Flyer Podcast. You have been listening to the Park Flyer Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to your next visit. Please give our show a star rating and review, and feel free to email us your questions, topics, or suggestions to... Heartflyerpodcast at gmail.com.